This episode is brought to you by the Grace Enough podcast, where host Amber Cullum and her guests delve into hard truths and the unwavering grace of God while journeying in the kingdom of God here on earth. Listen every week at graceenoughpodcast.com or on your favorite listening app. So I am in the uh, repair shop here at the bus barn where I work my paying job until this podcast takes off. And I'm joined here by my friend Grant, who is the mechanic. Thanks for helping me out, Grant. Anytime, buddy. Right. So we're looking at the, we're standing in the back of a bus in the engine compartment. And uh, so I'm just going to point to some things and say, like, what is this? What does this do? So I know what that is. But what is that? That is a radiator tank coolant reservoir. Okay, so the radiator tank coolant reservoir, uh, would that like be able to make the wheels move on its own? Negative. It is completely to contain a coolant that keeps the engine cool. So it keeps the engine cool. Or okay. warm, gotcha. depending on the temperature. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. So, and then, uh, you know, we've got this here, this, you know, rubbery looking thing. What is that? That is your accessory belt. It is also known as a serpentine belt, and uh, it, it takes a power from the motor to turn an alternator to give power to the batteries as well as the electrical system. If I were to just, like, strap that to the front of the bus, would that be able to, like, light the way in a dark night? Would that, could I use that as instead of a light? No. That would be a uh, party belt. Uh, this would be completely unuseful uh, on the front of the bus. It has to be attached to the motor. Thankfully, Grant and I know each other, so he knows I'm not a complete idiot. <laughs> I have asked this for that, This is true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and the wheels on the bus, what do they do? They go round and round. Round and round? Yes. Where? Like all through the town? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh. This may seem strange, but we're kind of doing the same thing in modern Christianity. Like a bus with an air filter for an engine, we won't get far with the wrong part doing a job it wasn't intended to do. You're listening to the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars to explore how we got here and how we can do better. I'm Chris Starin, and this is Truce. This episode is brought to you by the Grace Enough podcast. I am its host, Amber Cullum. Each week, I sit down with a guest to discuss hard truths and the unwavering grace of God they've experienced while journeying in God's kingdom here on earth. You'll hear from guests like Jen Wilkin, Jamie Ivey, Andy Crouch, and Scott McKnight. Listen to these conversations and more by searching Grace Enough Podcast on your favorite listening app or by visiting graceenoughpodcast.com. Think about how many programs your church has. Here are some of ours. 
Sunday services, of course, there are two of those. Sunday school. Monday night service, which includes meals prepared and dozens of dishes washed. The women's ministry. The nursery. Ushers. Men's ministry, which has breakfast every Wednesday and a snowmobile Various retreat. kinds of small groups in people's houses. Community Bible There's study. There's a weekly prayer The meeting. worship band. Counseling. The youth group, high school and middle school. Missionaries around We support the, the local shelters. The crisis pregnancy centers. These are just some of the things our little church is tasked with. Other churches might have a choir, a singles ministry, soup kitchens. Modern American churchgoers often demand specific programs tailored to fit their needs. And for every program, we expect there to be a leader. Not just people who show up and do a job, but someone who will take a program and run with it. With all of those meetings and studies and ministries, there is serious demand for leaders. So. We have to find them somewhere. Here's how the discussion usually goes. Um, so it wasn't in probably until the last, um, until I started following Jesus and really seeing how his method and strategy for discipling others um, was really a leadership program. He was calling these men to be leaders. This is Paul Wingfield of the One Man and His Wilderness podcast. I was on a show recently, and afterwards, we got to talking about leaders in the church. Each of us as a believer, if the only commission we have is to make disciples, that involves us leading somebody else into a deeper relationship with Jesus. So I think it is, I think there's two different aspects to it. Um, I think we are all meant to lead, um, some just not in the context of uh, an authoritative position. Jesus had an inner circle, the disciples. They followed him around, watching him do his thing. These guys then went out and shared the word about Jesus throughout the world. They were leaders. Or so the argument goes. Basically, if the disciples were all leaders, all modern Christians should be leading. It may be just one other person or someone we're discipling. Maybe we're teaching Sunday school, so therefore we're leading children. We should all be leading. And if you need help, you are in luck. There are conferences for that. The Thrive Leadership Conference, LeaderCast, the Outcomes Conference. Take the Global Leadership Summit. They advertise so aggressively. The assistant secretary at our church sometimes gets two emails every day just for that one conference. The GLS hires big names like Denzel Washington to draw audiences. I'm not sure what the star of training day has to say to a room of Christians, but there it is. There are podcasts from five leadership questions to Rainer on leadership, books, sermon series. The market for leadership resources is booming. Where there is money, there you'll find influencers trying to convince us that we should be more like them. In 2008, this phenomenon brought one man to question our love of leadership. That was Mark Galley, who is now the editor-in-chief of Christianity Today. He wrote an article called The Leadership Cult, where he questioned things like why we have a leadership magazine and nobody subscribes to, say, the Servanthood Journal. To his own admission, the article was a little cynical. But it had a lot of good things to say. As a journalist of uh, evangelical life, I do, um, I see many trends in our movement, some which are quite awesome and impressive, and others which get co-opted by the culture. Uh, and when I see either one of those things happening, 
I like to bring attention to it. So when we're doing great things and doing them well, I think it's really important that we note that and we praise that and we use it as an example. But then when we get co-opted by the culture, I think we need to note that as well to give us something to think about. One issue with emphasizing leadership is that it strains pastors. Some of us think that our pastors just spend the whole day sitting around the office planning sermons. But many are doing everything from counseling to building maintenance to handling parking lot issues. One person ends up doing everything. There is still a great deal of rhetoric going on about uh, a pastor is first and foremost a leader. And I, uh, I think that's true, factually speaking. That is to say, of course, he or she is in a position that people are looking to for guidance, for wisdom and insight on biblical issues. Uh, he or she is the person that has to take point on you know, many of the committee meetings of the church to make sure the church as an organization is, is surviving and thriving. But I think to put the emphasis on leadership is to uh, create temptations, uh, needless temptations for the pastor. And uh, I do think that's a continual problem, especially the larger a church is. It's, it, it is really a tension. If the pastor is doing all of these things, it's easy for the power to go to their head, to make them into a dictator, to manipulate people, or to obsess over numbers. Or to feel like every little issue in the church is their responsibility. If something isn't done or a member falls off the wagon, it can feel really personal, which leads to burnout. Now, Mark is in charge at Christianity Today. I mean, I am editor-in-chief. That's a, that's a big word, in-chief. <laughs> He's the leader. So I asked how he deals with the pressures of leading at his organization. The way I think we try to work it around at Christianity Today, I think the way we exercise our leadership and our followership, actually, is like this. When I have a, uh, like a, we hire, let's say we hire a new managing editor and that person's reporting to me, uh, I try to make it clear to them that one of my jobs as their uh, superior, in a sense, or their editor-in-chief, my job is to make them successful. Uh, and I need to do what it takes to make them successful to grow and mature in their own uh, character, but also in their professionalism. But that I also expect them to take on the attitude that their, one of their jobs is to make me successful as editor-in-chief. Uh, and I think when we approach it that way, uh, it allows me to lead appropriately in a way that I think uh, keeps my head, you know, my ego in check. He wrote the article on the cult of leadership 11 years ago. At the time, it seemed like a leadership book or two crossed his desk every week. I asked him if that was still the case. Not, not as many. Uh, it's still very much a, a, uh, a cult in American life, that's for sure. Um, every, you know, every college, every seminary, every organization seems to have a leadership institute still. So it is a it is a word that has a lot of cachet, cultural cachet. So uh, and I, I noticed that we use the word not always to talk about leadership, but we use the word to, to talk about things that we think people should talk about, but it's the word that'll get them thinking about it anyway. <laughs> so for example, uh, we often, uh, we have a, in one church I was at, she talked about the fact that Everybody in the church is a leader and that we're going to have a leadership seminar coming up. Please come to this seminar, or come to this series of classes on leadership. But you, when you actually listen to her talk, she actually is talking about 
because uh, she, you know, often talk about then the, the conversation shifts into servant leadership. And then when push comes to the shove, what you find out, it's a lot about servant, serving one another and going the extra mile and uh, doing things quietly without having to get attention. And it's really about common, everyday, ordinary love in the context of a congregation. But if you were to title a, a series of classes in church in common, everyday, ordinary love in the congregation, not many people would show up. <laughs> <laughs> but if you tell them it's about leadership, well, you're going to get a, a few more people show up. So I think some of that, that's what some of what's going on. We may be running into an issue of semantics. English is not the most precise language. Sometimes in leadership conversations, like Mark said, what we're actually talking about is just common, everyday, ordinary love in the context of a congregation. But we've rebranded it in modern Christianity as leadership. That twist of language sometimes gets us into trouble. And I should say, I don't speak for the other people I've interviewed on the show from here on out. Remember our initial interview with my mechanic friend Grant? In the same way where not every part of a car is interchangeable, not every churchgoer has the same gifts. Instead of using the imagery of a car, the Bible uses the human body. This is in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12. A foot has a specific job. It walks. It kicks. But the foot can't say to the eye, pack your things, I'll do your job. No, because the foot can't see. Only the eye can see. The whole body can't be an ear, or where would the sense of smell come from? How would you touch or taste? In the same way, we as Christians don't bring the same gifts. We have different gifts. We serve different functions. Let's look at Romans 12, 6 through 8. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts, in his exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Did you hear a leading in there? It's one of several gifts on the list of things that we don't all have. The Bible says that we're not all gifted as leaders. Yet, culture is constantly telling us that we are. Before we go too far on this, think about the other gifts on the list. Prophecy, teaching, exhortation, serving, giving. Those are other things that we're not all gifted at. But if the church is going to function, we need to be open to giving and serving, even if we're not gifted at giving and serving. So it stands to reason that from time to time, even if we're not gifted leaders, we ought to lead sometimes. But there's a difference between leading from time to time and being a leader. Yet the trend is to categorize everyone who contributes as a leader, which means we risk putting unqualified people in positions of power. Think about all the falls from grace we've had lately. Leaders mismanaging funds or caught in affairs or saying stuff that they should not have said. Pastors with absolute authority in their churches. Elder positions given to those who have money and no skill. Could not some of this be because we've got our leadership priorities mixed up? We're forcing non-gifted people into leadership roles. 
This is important because remember, Scripture says we're supposed to obey our leaders. Hebrews 13:17, the New American Standard. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. We're supposed to obey our leaders. That means we have to be serious about the people who get that title. Are these people even qualified? If everyone gets the same designation, the title doesn't mean anything. And poor candidates sneak in. Which is terrible news for us because people leave churches when they're hurt by leadership. If we do a better job of defining who is a leader, we might be able to curb this a little. Also, our emphasis on leadership stresses out people with other gifts. This trend is likely to continue because there is big money in leadership. Really, look at the top podcasts, go to pastor's conferences, check out a Christian bookstore, you'll see leadership everywhere. The influencers are telling us that we're all supposed to lead. And that idea is just not biblical. I think what happens is that we see that something works for one person, for one church or one organization, and we think that we can replicate that everywhere. And because leadership falls neatly into the realm of motivational speaking and books and the realm of influencers, it sells. If you take someone like me who is not gifted as a leader and send me to a leadership conference, it just stresses me out. They make me feel like I'm not doing enough. In the wake of a leadership craze, the other gifts suffer. Prophets are told to keep quiet or risk losing followers. Servants are stressed out because they can't just do their job humbly. Givers get big heads because they're pushed to be in the spotlight and post every dollar they give on Instagram. Couldn't that be at least a small part of why burnout is such a big problem in the church? Is there room for the rest of us to just be followers, to exhort without test groups? Can we let a giver give, an engine combust, a tire turn, a heartbeat, a prophet prophesy, a teacher teach? What do you think? Where's the line when it comes to leadership in our churches? Record a voice memo on your smartphone and email it to trucepodcast at yahoo.com. Again, the second half was my opinion and does not reflect that of Mark Galley or Paul Wingfield. I'll have links to both of them on the show website at trucepodcast.com. Find us on social media and remember that this show is listener supported. You can get links to our GoFundMe and Patreon accounts on the website. And please take a moment to rate this show on your podcasting app. It really helps. I'm Chris Starin with my friend Grant. Good day. And this is Truce. Well, thank you for helping me out. Anytime. Yeah, that's all I needed. Yeah. That's all? Easy. That's kind Super of boring. Super easy. Yeah. You gotta do more. Okay. Well, hey, we'll just we'll do another episode.